Napa know-how. It takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31 You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Pacers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We can get a daily dose of great information about your favorite NBA and NFL teams, including the Pacers right here. My name is Tom Lewis of IndyCornos.com. I'm coming to you after a night at Oracle Arena in which Clay Thompson lit up the joint big time and really torched the Pacers, scoring 60 points in 29 minutes and leaving the Pacers bewildered and in a pile of goo on the side of the road uh, outside the arena. It was a thrashing from about, you know, midway, late first quarter uh, through the end of the third quarter. The Pacers were just destroyed by the Warriors, and Clay Thompson led the way with his teammates feeding him all night uh, to get those 60 points. It was an impressive performance. Uh, Oracle was enjoying their 200th consecutive sellout, and the crowd was going crazy as Clay just kept making buckets and more buckets. And every once in a while, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry would throw in a little highlight to keep things spicy. But for the most part, the Pacers had no answer for Clay, and they didn't seem to adjust in any way. Uh, Monte Ellis took the brunt of the defensive abuse and there was not much change in, in the plan to you know switch on the defense or try somebody else to cool down play but honestly it went so quick uh, there really wasn't much that was going to change and you know, with the Warriors having so many weapons um, you know you're robbing Peter to pay Paul trying to defend some these guys when one of them has it going like that that's for sure uh, but overall, the game, you know, was uh, tied five minutes in <laughs> in the first quarter. So uh, it wasn't like it was uh, got buried, kind of like in L.A. last night when they were down early. Um, that wasn't the case in this one. And they were only down four with four minutes remaining in the first quarter. But the Warriors uh, started getting stops and turnovers and scoring quickly. And by the end of the first quarter, all of a sudden, they're up by 11, uh, outscoring the Pacers 38-27 to uh, 27 in that first quarter. And then the show was on as uh, Clay took over in the second quarter, finished the half with 40 points, and the Warriors had 80. Uh, it was unbelievable. I, I was just sitting there laughing because <laughs> the place was rocking and Clay was making some corner threes that, you know, had Steph Curry, who was out at the time, dancing on the sideline, running through the tunnel. It was just absurd uh, what was going on. And really, one thing 
you gotta love about the NBA is the talent level and the, the way guys like that uh, can get going and go off so uh, incredibly well with uh, an effort like that. So, you know, the Pacers had 50 points at the half, but they were down 30, and that game was over. <laughs> there was there was no coming back. So it was just a matter of how many is Clay Thompson going to score, and, you know, his team really started um, looking for him. And when you got guys like Curry and Durant, and Draymond Green, who are, are willing and really capable passers, um, it's a tough, tough thing to deal with. And the Pacers felt all of that. I mean, the first half, again, these numbers, some of these numbers are insane, but the Warriors had 25 assists, only two turnovers. For the game, they ended up with 45 assists uh, and 11 turnovers. So uh, really, after the game, Clay talked about kind of what got him going, why it was his night. And one thing uh, that can really felt the Pacers on as far as the Warriors getting going was while it was close early, uh, eventually um, the Warriors would get some stops or there'd be a turnover. And Clay or another player, but usually it was Clay, was sprinting down the court and getting a long pass ahead of the defense and getting a layup. And he mentioned that getting those early layups really helped him kind of find a rhythm because, believe it or not, he did miss a few shots on the night, and a lot of those were early. So uh, those layups that he got, the free buckets, um, just by flat out beating the Pacers down the floor was what got him rolling. And once he got rolling, whew, it was lights out. So another highlight play in the game was uh, uh, off a tip ball and a long pass out to uh, Steph Curry, who caught the ball in the air and just threw it over his head right at the rim, and Kevin Durant came swooping in to polish it up and dunk it. Uh, just an amazing play in the flow of the game on the break. Uh, and just, again, exemplified how the Warriors were just sprinting past the Pacers all night. And really, you know, the third quarter, it turned into almost a joke. I mean, really, everyone was just focused on Clay scoring, the crowd was going nuts as he got to 50 and then to 60. Uh, his career high prior was 52, so once he passed that, the crowd was going nuts. Uh, and really, it was like, you know, the Globe Trotters and the uh, Washington Generals out there and the Pacers were playing the role of the Generals uh, for sure. So, so yes, the Pacers were playing on the second half of a back-to-back uh, after a tough win in L.A. Uh, that certainly didn't help. But once the dubs got rolling, you know, there was there was no stopping them. And the scary thing is, you know, the Warriors scored 142 points, and really they took their foot all the way off the gas throughout the whole fourth quarter. After the game, Steve Kerr said he didn't even consider putting Clay back in in the fourth quarter, you know, to hunt points and, you know, maybe make a run at Kobe's 81 or whatever. It was, you know, the game was over, and um, he was going to, rest his guys and finish it out with the bench and that's what he did um you know the Pacers for their part did the same thing in the fourth quarter it was a time when you know you got some guys who were dinged up and there's no sense playing them in a game like that I don't know maybe you should have kept Paul George out the whole second half the way things finished in the first half but regardless uh PG did finish with uh, 21 points and 10 rebounds sounds like a pretty good line <laughs> until you look over at that 60 burger that Thompson has up there on the line. So 
another thing, I mean, 60 points on 33 shots, just, again, ridiculous. I know I'm going on and on, but it was a pretty impressive performance to witness. And, uh, again, uh, league record for points. Uh, no one has ever scored 60 points in less than 30 minutes in this shot clock era. So not close at all to the franchise record, of course, that is held by Will Chamberlain with 100. <laughs> but Thompson can uh, enjoy that record, which really will be uh, a tough one to pass. I don't know how... Uh, someone scoring that many points is going to play that few minutes. So, uh, although with the way this Warriors team is rolling at some point, you never know. Uh, they, they've got the offensive weapons to do it. And it seemed like they're taking turns. And tonight, who, whoever gets going gets gets the ball. And tonight with Clay, I'm kind of fearful to see what might happen on a night when Durant has things going like that and they focus on feeding him. Uh, so uh, 60 may not be the highest point total uh, for that team uh, by an individual yet this year. Uh, so, again, uh, it was all Warriors, and the Pacers showed no way of impacting or slowing things down. Um, they were at the mercy of the Warriors, which is kind of disheartening after a strong effort in L.A., uh, but once again it got rolling, there was no stopping that momentum. Uh, as far as the rotations, again, we're kind of keeping an eye on that second unit now with everybody healthy. Again, everyone was healthy tonight. Um, there was no uh, lingering issues after the game in L.A. Again, uh, Al Jefferson, C.J. Miles, Glenn Robson III, and Stuckey were the four key players off the bench when the game was still a game in the first half. And the Warriors did an interesting thing. I you know, for early in the season, David West had been kind of backup center behind Zaza, and they've been using JaVale McGee more. They used him tonight uh, in in the second quarter, which had him matched up against Al Jefferson, and that is a difficult matchup for Jefferson unless Big Al is able to take him in the torture chamber and score on him in the post, and he just wasn't, he wasn't able to have that impact, so... Then you've got a guy like <clears throat> McGee who is runs, he's quick, he's athletic, uh, he's a bit wild, but um, he's hard for Al to keep up with. And um, his effort, you know, just crashing the glass and uh, playing pretty solid defense. He was They were definitely throwing some help at Al with that second uh, unit to uh, make him get rid of the ball, and that clogged things up for the Pacers. So... Uh, it, it wasn't a good matchup. I don't know how they're going to go forward, continuing with this group. Uh, I did ask Nate McMillan before the game if now that he had this group healthy and you know we saw him play a little smaller lineup with CJ and Robinson playing together, uh, if that was going to be his go-to lineup uh, or how he was going to handle it. Was it going to be uh, de- determined kind of by the matchups of the other team? And he kind of didn't answer directly, uh, saying that, you know, when everybody's available, he's going to use the lineup that gives him the best chance to win. And, um, again, when you see the matchups tonight, uh, that may not always be the case. I think, you know, one thing, LaVoy Allen is out of the rotation as as we speak. I mean, assuming McMillan is, you know, going to 
be a little bit versatile, a little bit flexible with that reserve rotation, but again, appears to, since he did it two nights in a row, against a couple, you know, two different teams, basically, um, that he was sticking with that lineup that is a little smaller, that kind of minimizes Lavoie Allen's role quite a bit. Uh, now, in, against the Clippers, Thad Young got a little bit of foul trouble, so um, he had to play. I think, you know, Thad and Monte are the guys that may float in and out there to cover that reserve rotation. So still a work in progress, definitely, on the reserve rotation, but um, we'll see how they handle it going forward. And one thing we noticed from Monte Ellis, great effort last night in L.A., really good on defense, and uh, you know made a big impact on the game. That game was played after three days of rest. Now in the back-to-back, Monte struggled. Uh, before things got haywire, uh, he had a couple of really bad turnovers, and then, you know, lost Clay a few times back door, and then, <laughs> and then Clay was lost in the weeds the rest of the night. Uh, and I know last year, um, when he was battling those knee issues and, and struggling to stay healthy, that you could look at his numbers, and there was, a, you know, with no day's rest, with one day's rest, his numbers were a lot worse than they were after two or three days' rest. And um, so, you know, as heartening as it was to see him play well against the Clippers on that three days' rest, uh, you saw the struggle again on the back-to-back. So that may be something that McMillan's going to have to adjust for if, again, uh, Monte can't bounce back and be as productive um, at this point. It doesn't appear that he has any intention of tweaking the lineup in such situations, or at least the starting lineup. Uh, but he may need to consider tweaking the minute load. And um, again, they do have all the parts available and uh, finding a matchup against other teams when things are going the wrong way, uh, those adjustments are going to have to be made. I mean, the Pacers aren't uh, doing a good job of imposing their will on other teams and forcing them to adjust. So um, if you've got more length or different players that you can try on the bench, uh, going to have to be the way they go about it. So the best news of the night is that the Pacers are done playing the Golden State Warriors this year, unless, of course, the two meet up in the NBA Finals. You know, it could happen. You know, you never know. Crazier things have happened. Not much crazier, but you never know. Could be. But regardless, the season series is over and the Pacers can move on. Now they are headed to Phoenix where they will play the Suns on Wednesday and we'll find another team that wants to get up and down the floor. So they're going to have to find a way to slow them down, beat them back and, and minimize those transition buckets, which the Warriors found so easy on Monday night. So the great thing about the NBA is no matter how bad you play one game, there's another game coming up really soon after to adjust and move on with the season. Pacers are still 10-11, hanging around the midsection of the East and looking to finish up the road trip with a couple wins, which will just make the memory of this insane night at Oracle fade away and move on. So again, thanks for listening. If you have any comments or questions on the game or anything going on with the Pacers, you can reach me by email at indycornrose at gmail.com. 
and via Twitter at IndieKornos. Uh, you can always find the show on Audioboom.com as well as subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Google Play. All those locations have all the previous episodes as well. So check them out. All right, that's all for tonight. You've been listening to Locked On Pacers on the Locked On Podcast Network. You got it.